sometimes unconventional, but always entertaining. They're kooky and they're spooky. It's time to cross to the other side. Welcome to Spooky Sundays with Anne and Renata. Brought to you by Thrive Broking, flexible finance solutions for individuals and small business. Good evening, my pretties, my beautiful ones. All the people that like the darkness out there. Oh, now I sound like I'm, I'm going on a religious bender into hell or something. Anyway, welcome to Spooky Sundays, everyone. Brought to you by our beautiful sponsor, Thrive Broking. I'm Anne, and over there glaring at me already before we've even started the show is the delicious and delightful... Renata Daniel and glaring is my job. Yes, it is. I I glare. Although you were, I glare and I know things. You were. (laughs) (laughs) And you sense things. Um, You were super happy this morning. I was. It was a little bit discombobulating how happy you were before you'd had a coffee. I know, right? And we know what that is. There's a little secret. There's a little secret thing that somebody sent us to trial. Yes. And um, we'll be announcing that on uh, our True Hauntings podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, we yes. m- we'll probably mention it next week as well. Yes, uh, yes. Or, or when, oh, I've got to work out when that episode's coming out because we're trying to get ahead for our Irish-UK trip, which is now eight weeks away. Mm-hmm. And we're looking desperately for um, places, haunted places to stay and haunted places to investigate. Yes. Um, prices are exorbitant. But look, what we are going to try to do this time, <laughs> and we've already had a heated discussion. It's been a heated discussion. Heated discussion uh, leading up into the show because we were considering hiring a place because we want to investigate it just on our own. We just want to be there and, and run an investigation without um, trying to entertain. We just want the cameras off, apart from what we're recording for the investigation. And, of course, we'll put it up onto YouTube later. But I had made a a, um, suggestion suggestion of 30 East Drive Pontefract, which we have been to before. And it was part of a tour group, so we were there with 20 other people. And they ran a marvellous tour. They were lovely, delightful people. It was a nice night. But it's when you're... Like, not a dabbler um, into the ghost hunting world. You are a professional, if there is such a thing. Uh, You just want to have the place with no contamination and just in its pure essence so you can try to eke out activity. And I saw Alison from Haunted Horizons doing a live the other day where she had a doll sitting on the stairs at 30 East Drive. And this is the black monk of Pontefract. And we did do a podcast on it, on True Hauntings. Now, this doll, all of a sudden, not long after she had said, there's a doll on the stairs, maybe you want to push that or something, the doll tumbled down the stairs. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she was quite amazed. But it is £300 to hire it for one night. Yep. And then you just casually announced to me that you have a story about the Pontefract House tonight. Yep. Do you know the only reason I go to the Pontefract House? Why? To hang out outside and see if anyone comes and starts to bang on the doors, <laughs> windows or anything. Now, look, we, we did do the podcast on it. And as I said, I do believe that there was something going on mm. at the time that the family was living there. Yes. I'm dubious if there's anything happening now. And if there is anything happening, I think it's been created 
uh, by either the energy of the people that are coming into the location with their their thought processes Mm -hmm. or it's people that are providing an activity and I do that with my fingers in the air doing the inverted commas to create the myth that there is still activity there. Mm. Um, Yes, it's a bit dodgy, but Mm. I don't know. Does anyone else out there know of a place in the United Kingdom that we can hire that's not exorbitant? I I would consider it for £300, but it's still a lot of money. It's almost $600 for us for one night. But we wouldn't have to get accommodation for the night. We could sleep there. (laughs) Do you know what sort of accommodation you'd get for 600 bucks? Shut up. It wouldn't be haunted. (laughs) We wouldn't have a whole house with a coal cellar. Come on. I've been in that coal cellar. You have. And you actually got the EPGBs and the REM pod went off. So, you know. Yeah. Anyway, I'm to be convinced. All right. I'm do you have a paranormal story for us tonight, Renata? I do. I do. I well, do. please tell me. All right. Now, this goes back to um, uh, Shakespeare oh, and, and Macbeth. That that whole thing about not being not being able to say Macbeth when you are about to go on stage. Yes, I'm, I'm being a theatre person myself. Yeah. So why why is that? What's the story about that? Um, if you say that particular word, it's like saying the F word, which we had trauma with that on Saturday. Yeah. Thank you. Um, <laughs> that things will go wrong because there has been a run of uh, pe- where people have said that word backstage and trauma has followed. People have died on stage or broken legs or, you know, the show's flopped or something. So it's just become associated now with that and... You just don't say that word backstage. All right. Okay. Well, everyone hang on to their hats because I'm going to say it at least once here. Well, we're not about to perform on stage, so it should be fine. It's the Mm. other word I don't want you to say. Mm, mm. So a Scottish castle that's famous for its connection to Shakespeare is less well known for having a ghost that's believed to wander the passageway without hands. Oh, is it the back passage? No. (laughs) This this particular ghost has no hands. So paranormal enthusiasts will be keen to visit Cordor Castle near Nairn due to the tragic presence of a woman who, according to legend, fell to her death from one of the towers. Mm. Now there's a reason she fell to her death. Let's not let's just say um, it wasn't an accident. Oh foul play. So for Shakespeare fans, Cordor Castle will be familiar due to here's that word, Macbeth, with the character Thane of Cordor, although The link is fictitious. History buffs will likely know the real-life Macbeth lived long before the castle was constructed and the Thane of Cawdor title did not exist during his lifetime. Nonetheless, Cawdor Castle's link to one of the most famous plays of all time has made it a popular tourist destination. Now, this is in Scotland. Can we go there and just say Macbeth, 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 Macbeth 50,000 times? Only if you let me go to the 30 East Drive <laughs> Pontefract. Oh, God. How about... I, no. Right, sorry. Uh, the real-life castle was constructed around the 15th century tower house that originally belonged to Clan Cordor before being passed to the Campbells. Oh, got to watch the Campbells. In the 16th they make a mean soup. Century. Today, Clan Campbell remained... Uh, in control of Cordor Castle. So among the castle's most interesting features is that it is said to have been built around a holly tree that remains at the castle to this day. 
Now, legend states that Thane of Cawdor decided on a site to construct the fortress based on where a donkey with gold tied to its back laid down to rest, and it chose a spot underneath the tree. Now, as many castles, Cawdor has its own spooky tales. Please tell us the spooky tales, Renata. Yes, well, this this is um, all about a, a lady called Muriel. Now, Muriel... Um, oh, Muriel? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now, I do like Muriel. See, one story says it's a holly tree, but in actual fact, if you go deeper into history, it's a hawthorn tree because there's an actual room called the Hawthorn Room. And uh, if you go down to the Hawthorne room, which is kind of downstairs, there is the remnants of a tree still standing, mm-hmm. which they say is the tree that the castle was built around. Uh-huh. But it is a holly tree, not a Hawthorne tree. Originally, it was a Hawthorne tree. So it has um, little red berries? No, well, whatever it is now, it's probably plastic because <laughs> it did, it died. <laughs> So I just whacked a plastic one in there. It's a replica. Um, It says uh, modern scientific analysis has revealed that the the tree died in 1372, presumably through being deprived of light after the construction of the castle. But it still kind of is there. I don't know what they've done, whether they've put a plastic one in for to delight oh. the, the tourists or whatever. Um, and Look, it, Mummy, it has, it's a real holly tree. It has magical properties which have on numerous occasions saved the castle from disaster. Well, the plastic one. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, there's a ghost. The ghost's Yay! name is Muriel. Hi, Muriel. Now, there are two uh, stories. Uh, Muriel was kidnapped as a child and forced into marriage to Sir John Campbell of Argyle. Now, she was only like six or something. <gasps> wow. Yeah, weird like that. Um, and, yeah, got married. Uh, and the other one is that um, Muriel actually fell in love with um, the... Not John. Campbell guy. Um, and uh, her father was furious when he found out that um, she actually loved him. Because these were warring clans. Oh, and to it's have his Romeo daughter, and Juliet. Yeah, to have oh. his daughter fall in love with someone from who they were supposed to hate. Hate. Um, and uh, as she was attempting, cl- to, attempting to climb down from the window in the tower, because uh, he put her in the tower to escape, he chopped off both her hands with his sword and sent her plummeting to her death. Now, this is why there is a ghost uh, wearing a blue velvet dress, and she has been sighted in the castle by various witnesses, and she is the one that is seen wandering around without any hands. Wow. Yes. Geez, they were rough in those days. I know, I know. Now, in Shakespeare's play, Macbeth encounters three witches who prophesy that Macbeth will be Thane of Glamis, Thane of Cawdor, and lastly, the king. And we apologise for our pronunciations. Or is it Clint Thaney? Thane, could be Thane, ta- Tane. Tane. We don't know because Tane. they call it the Thames with Tane. TH. I don't oh, know. Oh, it could be. We, we, we just, we're just Australians. We botch it. The so. truth <laughs> is that Macbeth died some 130 years before the title Thane, Tane, Thanny, whatever you like. Cordor. Thanny! I'm covering all bases. Thanay. Thanay. And over 300 years before the first stone was laid at Cordor Castle. The reality is that Macbeth had no connections with Cordor at all, other than in Shakespeare's oh, play. It's a bit like uh, Vlad 
Yes. Vlad's been everywhere yes, in Romania. But because he was mentioned in one of the most famous plays known to everyone in the theatre, uh, people now head to that castle oh, yes. to be part of that ambience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To feel it, but sh- there are there are their own there are sh- a number. <laughs> How of, many times are you going to say that? <laughs> there are a number of ghosts within the castle itself, and it, it pays to go there to you know f- get in touch with those entities. Yeah, and look, um, we we have the first award for tonight. They were well and truly the first because they texted through last night. And Maxine, you have the first award for Yay! the text through tonight. Well done. Uh, yeah, so, all right. I'm sort of in this conundrum with this whole... I, I just want to investigate somewhere on our own, Renata. I know that we've we've lined up two locations in Ireland and mm-hmm. I should be happy. Yes, you should. Sh- should be happy, but I want more. I'm watching all these YouTubers that are out there and they get the location all to themselves. And I was saying to Renata, even if we book a room for ourselves, because there is one haunted pub we've decided we're going to go to. Yes. uh, And we have to book that soon so we don't miss out. Uh, And we're doing a podcast on it. Well, we've just recorded the podcast on it. So that's Mm -hmm. really cool. Uh, but once again, you're stuck in the room. You can't go and investigate the whole place because it's empty. We might be able to go downstairs. We can ask them once once we're there. Mm, I doubt in that location because it's such a busy, busy place. We, shall we see. can ask. We can ask. Yeah, probably charge us more. Oh, I don't know. Anyway, send through your suggestions of places in the UK that we can hire where we could stay for the night, just us, that is notoriously haunted. Yes. Where would you like to see us spend a night? Would you like to see us at 30 East Drive at the Pontefract House? <laughs> I know Auntie Anne would. Anyway, let's get off to a song. Uh, as I said, tonight's songs have been brought to you by Lisa, one of our regular listeners. Uh, she's chosen all of these for your enjoyment. So let us know what you think of them. We'll be back after this song. You're listening to Spooky Sundays on Newcastle Live. Finance doesn't need to be spooky thanks to Thrive Broking. And welcome back to Spooky Sundays and a huge thank you to Thrive. The words are hard and there is is an explanation for that. Uh, Thanks to Thrive Broking. So don't forget, guys, if you are looking for finance for whatever it is that you're just running a little bit short just at the moment to be able to get... Talk to Emma at Thrive Broking and she'll take all the scariness out of it for you and explain what you need to do and the best way to do it. So thrivebroking.com.au and speak to Emma and tell her that the spooky aunties did send you. All right, we've been having a little bit of a debate, not a mass debate, but a bit of a debate off air about... um, you know, should we share it, hire somewhere and share it with another team? Or, um, and as we said, we would have liked to have done it with Alison and Cag, but they're flying out to Ireland where we've just flown back from and we just miss them. We just happen to miss them. So, yeah, we, we've, we've just got to find the right location, don't we, Renata? We do. We do, we do, we do. Now, I'm just grabbing my books. And I was oh. hoping Renata would have uh, filled for me that's, there. But that's okay. We are now doing uh, the ABC of superstitions, and you are up to the letter 
Oops, I nearly knocked over my bottle of water there. What letter are you up to? T? T. T. Okay. We're going for touching. Touching, okay. Do you remember what the topic was, Renata? Yeah, you, touching dead people. Yeah, touching dead bodies. Thought you might like that one. Mm-hmm. Trying to entice you with um, a bit of information. I'm, I'm interested. <clears throat> now, you know that in earlier times, there was the tradition of laying out the person yes. in, in the house. Yes. Uh, and that's where they would await their, before they go to the burial. Mm-hmm. And it was quite customary for people to come and visit the deceased. the deceased person. And you were expected to invite people into your house to view the said person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can't turn away anyone. Uh, even if they didn't know them. They were still allowed to come into the oh, house, so apparently. Strangers Strangers in. as dead well. body down the street. I want to have a look at yeah. it. Yeah. Oh. And it was expected that you should touch the corpse. Oh, okay. Uh, and it was actually a great offence if you didn't touch the corpse. Wow. So, uh, and also, I thought you'd like this. They called it the death chamber. Mm. Do you like that? That's terrible. Instead of the morning tea room or the parlour room, it was the death chamber. So, oh, now I've, I've been underlining bits and pieces. Oh, I've lost it now. All right. Um, so there, there's even talk here of... Uh, now, I do want to give you a little bit of a um, heads up here. This might be a little traumatising to some people, so please just be aware. It's not too bad, but we are talking about death, and that does upset some people. There was a custom in numerous districts in 1959, a Birmingham man whose employment caused him to visit houses regularly stated that he and his colleagues were instructed by their employers to miss from their rounds any house where a death was known to have occurred. Now the reason they they did this is that um, they were expected to visit the dead and to touch the dead and they didn't want to. And they didn't want to cause embarrassment or upset for the family because, you know, they're coming in there to uh, fix the plumbing or the pipes or read the metres and you were expected to come in and touch the dead body. Oh. Mm. Now, this actually led to a little bit of a problem in some cases. There was a Hertfordshire child who died of diphtheria in the early years of the 1900s, right? So... Of course, everyone is going to come and pay their respects to the family because it's very traumatising when you lose a child. But they were all coming in and touching the corpse of the child that had diphtheria. Mm. So then that, of course, leads to spread of the disease or possible spread of the disease. Yeah. Yeah. This is all things they weren't thinking about at the time. Uh, So there's... Various reasons as to why you should do this sort of thing. Uh, Apparently, it would prevent the person... So if you were the person touching the deceased, it would prevent you from dreaming of that dead person. Mm -hmm. Now, if it was in Scotland that this happened, it would prevent you from being haunted Mm -hmm. by that person. Yeah. Uh, The Cornish people say that the touch of a dead person gains you the strength of the person that's died. Mm. Well, the, you, you, we all know about that. The Highlander. hand. No, the hand, the, the, the one that you take from a thief. Oh, yes. It's that hand. Glor- hand of glory. Hand of glory. 
<laughs> which means something completely and glory. Yes, very different these days, doesn't yes. it? Yes, particularly if there's a if hole put, in the wall. If you put the hand of glory out while you are doing the thieving, you're you become you're invisible. That's right. You're yeah, protected. You're, you become invisible. But there's also the whole Highlander movie where that if you slayed the the other person that had the power, you gained their power. Yes. Bloody Hollywood. I don't think they'd read about that oh, back then. I loved then. that movie. I did too. Uh, Sean Connery. <sighs> no. No. Oh, well, yes. 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 Um, in some parts of northern England, it's supposed to show that no ill will existed between the visitor and the dead. Uh-huh. Uh, it was an act of courtesy. Uh, it was a... A Cheshire village, now this is really sad, just before 1939 war, children were carefully trained to perform the rite simply because it was held to be polite to do so. That, so they were actually trained to go and view the dead body and how to touch it correctly mm-hmm. and pay their respects. Wow. Now, it, it's also known from earlier times as well, but this is a really juicy one. You're going to like this. I think I'm actually holding her attention here. Mm-hmm. She hasn't gone to I'm t- being, I'm being I've, very I see the phone. Good. The phone is ready for no, TikTok. No, I can no, see no, it. No, I'm, I'm watching everyone that's watching. <laughs> okay. Um, if the, they, they had the corpse of a murdered man, right? Yes. If you touched that body and it bled... When you touched it, that meant you were the murderer. Right. right? The body is letting you know, the the spirit of that person is letting you know that's the person that killed them. Oh, do you? That could turn out very bad. Yes. So the willingness to take part in the the thing of touching the body Mm -hmm. um, was an indication of innocence. So if you're willing to do it, then you must be innocent. Mm -hmm. But, of course, if you refuse to do it... It was that was almost proof that you were guilty, or at least they'd have a very strong suspicion that it was you. Prisoners charged with murder were sometimes forced to touch their supposed victims as part of evidence for or against them. Now there is a uh, in the wonderful discovery of witches in the county of Lancaster. That's yeah. a that's riveting reading from sixteen thirteen. Um, I know. Well, it's about Janet Preston. Yes, and uh, she was tried at York for the murder by witchcraft of Mister Lister. She was made to touch his body, which bled as soon as she laid her hand upon it. Oh, I know. Wow, there you go. Or so the judges reported back. Oh. Yes. Uh, this says the writer of the book. Oh, now you're going to like this. I'm going to read you some old Englishy. Okay. Hath ear been uh, held a great argument to induce a Iori to hold him guilty that shall be accused of murder and vassaldomy or no failed in the trial? Right. I've got no idea. Two centuries later, the same belief evidently existed in Oxfordshire. For when in 1828 William Eden was murdered near Thames, his widow summoned the man to to touch the the corpse. He refused to come and touch the dead body, therefore confirming her suspicion that he was the murderer. And sometime afterward, his accomplice made a full confession, saying, yes, it was him that did it. And both men were hanged for murder two years later. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. So I reckon that the accomplice was the one that murdered them. And he thought, oh, I can get off because he's already 
touch the corpse or refused to touch the corpse. And uh, so now they think it's him. So I'm just going to say, oh, yeah, it was him. Mm -hmm. It was absolutely him. Yeah. But he got done as well. Mm. Did you like that one? I did. That was good. Oh, thank you. I did have some more in the other book. I like the nice and juicy ones. I oh, know. You you like it a bit gory, don't mm. you? Um, where was my other little book over I, here? I like the story of oh. the soul eaters. The soul eaters? Yeah. They, they came in um, and they had to um, – something about eating bread off the corpse – um, the, oh. uh, the sin eaters, that's right, it was the sin eaters. And they would uh, ingest the sins of the dead and make him pure by eating food off the corpse. And th- this was a job. Wow. And I suppose it was a way for the poorer people to get a feed. Yeah. Yeah, we might have to look into those weird and wonderful yeah. and wacky facts from the medieval times. I have a little bit extra here. Okay. The moment death has taken place, superstition insists that the eyes, if still open, must be closed. Mm -hmm. So you would have to close their eyes or the gaze will summon another person who is is present to accompany the departed to the grave. In some countries, the eyes are prevented from reopening by covering them with coins. Now, some people used to say that was to pay the ferryman to get them to the other side, Mm -hmm. the river sticks, but it was actually because I think some people found it disturbing that these eyes were open and just staring dully. Yes. Uh, Distraught friends and relatives should not allow their tears to fall upon the body as their distress is believed to trouble the departed soul, which I... It could be a possibility. Yeah. Um, Scottish tradition indeed discourages mourners from crying at all. Oh. From any stage during the funeral. Hmm. Uh, Touching the corpse is recommended as it brings living good luck and will, it is alleged, save them from nightmares in which the dead person appears, which is what I said in the other one. The touch of a dead person's hand, particularly one who has died a violent death, may indeed prove of benefit to various medical conditions. I know. Oh, Yes. Okay. Oh, that's no good because yes, that I've, means they're going to lose their hands. I've got an infected wisdom truth. I'm just going to take this dead person's hand and I'm going to get it to touch up into there and it'll all be healed. Yeah. Nice. Well, look, it could work. It could. You could die with them as well. All right, we're going to head off to a song. I hope you enjoyed the ABC of Superstitions. We'll be back next week with another one. But uh, coming up after this, we've got the spooky chat. It is time to send your questions through to 0490-84886. Do you have paranormal questions? Well, we have the answers. It's time for Spooky Chat with Anne and Renata. And welcome back to Spooky Chat. It's Spooky Chatty time. Renata, you ready to answer some questions? Oh, hit me. Oh, let's hope we got some. Uh, hi, lovely Anne and Renata. Just wondering what your view of the law of one and the new earth is. Love your radio show, Sasha. I've got no idea. Never you've, heard of it. You've not heard of the new earth? Oh, that's Eckhart Eckhart Tolle. Yeah. He puts me to sleep when I listen to him. (laughs) He really does. He's got one of those um, voices that really put you to sleep. It's not not a a radio book type of thing that I'd recommend. (laughs) (laughs) You'll just go to sleep. I remember starting to read the Eckhart Tolle one and I I sort of read the first page and I put it down and go, oh, wow, my mind's blown. There are so many ideas popping into my head and – 
I think it is a good start for people who are trying to open up their mind to the positive thinking and and uh, getting themselves out of their own head. Uh, but I I don't I I haven't read them enough to be able to. Uh, give a review on them. So if there's anyone else out there who has read those books and has an opinion on them, text through to 0490 and let us know what you think. So thank you for sending that through, Sasha. <coughs> so the uh, – oh, okay. I don't know. Um, yeah. They, there are a number of different meanings um, when you start to look up Dr. Google. So uh, I'm assuming it's a spiritual law. It is. One. Yeah, it is. It's a bit like the um, the the four pillars and um, the what was that other one that set everyone off about the journey? Um, oh, I can't remember what they are. It was a while ago. It's sort of a bit like the 90s when they, they were all into that sort of stuff. Um, I'm sort of more into the positive thinking rather than the new age, trying to draw what I want to me by um, having a goal and then just putting everything towards it, it making it happen. So um, in my head, it, it's it's already happened. I'm just now doing the steps to get there. So that's that's where I sit with all that stuff. I mean, we, we all go through our stages. We do. We do. <clears throat> and uh, I always... Um I encourage all reading. Yeah, and I'm just trying to make sure that people don't overthink things so that they don't create further stress and anxiety in their lives um, to get to a point where you feel that you are aspiring to something that is (laughs) – that's unachievable. Yeah. Uh, Because what we should all be building is resilience against what is happening to us and the world so that we can, in spite of the things that are happening, keep going and keep moving forward. I know one of the things that you were getting um, really angry about is some of those sorts of readings and the New Agey readings were saying things like, you should just forgive the people that have done you wrong and put it in your past and move forward. Mm. And you'd go, why? Mm. Why should you forgive them? And I get that. Yeah. There are some people who have done things that are unforgivable. Yeah. I can put it in my past and say, I'm not having anything to do with that person again. They're mm-hmm. out of my life. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm not going to forgive them. I'll forgive myself for being involved with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, Robert has a, um, a thought on the uh, 30 East Drive, Contract oh, yes. House. Yes. 300 pounds. Better be activity for that. Well, that is correct, Robert. That's what I'm saying. Uh, I I'm, I would have to go out and pay ten pounds to all the neighbours to come in and throw something at us, you know, at the windows or, or something to make it. Uh, imagine paying three hundred pounds and going there for the whole night and just. But recording it, nothing. We could go and pay three hundred pounds for the most active, honestly active location, yeah, document documented, and nothing happens. But every man and his dog has been to Pontefract. Every man even, and his even dog. Us. <laughs> and the fleas on the dog. Are, are we the fleas? <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. I'm just thinking there might be somewhere more interesting. 
Well, let's we're, we're going to do some research. We are down to eight weeks. We've got to get this done quickly. Mm. And we've still got to record, I think, 12 episodes of True Hauntings mm-hmm. before we go. Mm-hmm. That's fine. We'll get there. We'll get there. And three episodes of Speaky Sundays. We'll anyway, we have there. a question from a first-time texter. Oh, hello. I brought my house roughly 13 years ago. It's an old cottage home. It's 106 years old this year. Oh, happy birthday. Bless. I knew something was off with it when I moved in. I felt it's a male spirit but just shrugged it off i've had things open or close or things turn off or on things get moved around sometimes i can smell cigarette smoke in my house and i've seen blurry shadows etc i found out about my home's history there was a fire here back in the 60s and a man that owned the home passed away maybe it could be him he is harmless and i don't mind him being here but my question is what can I do to try and get him to cross over and be at peace? Or should I just try to help him in some way? Or should I just let him be? Oh, thank you so much for even thinking along those lines. That mm. is awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's been there for quite some time, um, which kind of, that lends itself to sort of the idea of he's sort of sticking around for a reason. Um, you can, if you wish, and if it is disturbing for you uh, in in your day-to-day life, sit down at some stage and just have a real-life conversation, um, although you may not hear his opinions or his thoughts, and just say, look, it's okay for you to move on. Uh, we're going to look after the house now. We're here you can trust us. Um, we will do the best. Uh, we're going to respect your home now. But, you know, if feel free to go. Feel, go to your relatives. They're probably waiting for you somewhere. They're probably wanting you to be there. So you've got to make it sound as though um, it's, it's a better option for them to leave than to stay because they might be staying to protect the house. They, they might think there's going to be another fire. Yeah, they might be worried about you guys being in there. Yeah, there might they there might be a, a trauma that needs to be healed. Um, so maybe some prayers first, uh, just to heal that trauma of having lost the house. But if you're there and sort of saying, "Look, guaranteed for the time we are here, we're going to look after this place." Um, I I truly, yeah, it, it's hard for me to say that this whole idea of you know, making people leave a place, you know, can that really happen? If, if you're dealing with pure energy and energy can go wherever it wants to, it's not encapsulated in a space, how, how do you do that? How do you move something on that can be anywhere it wants to be? Yeah. And we don't even know what that energy form is, really. Yeah. We're only guessing. Yeah, we're only guessing. So you either have to live with them or um, you you invite them to move on and, yeah. and try to give them peace as well. But I like the fact that they're thinking about not just what they need, but yeah. what does the spirit need? Absolutely, and I think it's beautiful, and that's why you know some prayers maybe um, to relieve any anguish or you know stuck trauma um, for that particular person might help and assist the place feel lighter. <coughs> um, and uh, I wouldn't be doing saging or anything because the person is already traumatized. Um, when it comes to fire of any yeah, sort. Yeah, this is true. I never thought of that. Yeah, so I, I wouldn't. Um, 
you could put some flowers out and um, maybe, um, yeah, some nice music and say a few prayers and say, look, this this is a real option, a real time. We're setting the vibe for you that if you wish to leave now, be at peace. But the suggestion is we'll look after your home. So, you know, you don't have to worry anymore. Yeah. Nice. Mm. Like it. All right. We're going to go to a song and we come back with some more questions. We've got some more first-time texters coming through. Uh, now, this is we're getting on to some of the ones I've not heard of these before. I may know them when I hear them. But again, the if you'd like to send through your own list of 10 songs, and we need 10 these days, uh, please feel free to text that through at any time. It doesn't have to just be on the Sunday. You can text it through when you have the opportunity to 0490 and um, please, none with the uh, swear bombs in them, nothing too violent, and uh, we, we try to stick to ones that people might know so that they can enjoy the music as well, but please, we'd love to get your playlist and we'll play it on air. Spooky Sundays with Anne and Renata. Find flexible finance solutions at thrivebroking.com.au. I'd just like to say how excited I am to see so many new people texting through tonight. It's fabulous. Um, shout out to Sky, who was sent through saying the name Fanny reminds her of Enid Blyton stories. <coughs> oh, you maybe, remember that? Maybe that's why they've banned those books for a while. <laughs> oh, look, some people are just too precious with their, I'm offended by that, so you should be offended too. Mm. Just because you're offended by it doesn't mean that everybody in the world must now be offended and it should be banned. Mm. Mm. It's only your offence. Mm. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> um, all right. And thank you to whoever texted through the best haunted Airbnbs in the UK. They said, I googled spooky Airbnb in the UK and it came up with heaps of places. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, yes. Nice. Yes. I need we a will check that out. Thank you. Hi, India Mara, um, who has also sent through some from Booking.com. Yeah, we've been on to some of these. Daniela is very, very happy because when she switched on, she heard Time Warp and that's totally cheered her up. She's suffering from depression because we left her there in Gloucester. Oh, I'm sorry. She's no longer in our glow. (laughs) (laughs) We'll send you a picture. And as I said, Time Warp, what's next? Nutbush? I did actually have it on my list. (laughs) (laughs) Big Byron. Hi, Big Byron. How are you? Shout out to the beautiful Anne and Renata for being the absolute best grannies slash aunties. Oh, I love it. I'll be talking to you later. All right. Um, Robert said, would you get in the door of the Queen's Palace for 300 pounds? Is it too soon? Liz, are you there? I bet, um, what's his face? What's from the, the... Oh, the one with the portal things that he does and he gets on so as soon as someone's dead. Oh half, yes, half. Half paranormal. I bet ha- he's been on talking con- to Hasn't he connected with Liz yet? I think he, probably by now he would have given it a crack and he, mm. he's always successful. His crystals just get bigger and bigger. <laughs> You've seen the crystals he's holding nowadays? They're huge. Oh well, you know, the bigger the crystal the more spiritual spiritual, spiritual you are. You are. Mm. Yeah. If you don't have a big one you're just not spiritual no, at all. No, not big trying rock. hard enough. <laughs> 
do we have any more paranormal questions, everyone? Wasn't there a Claire's one? There was a Claire's one I saw. Oh, you find it there. Uh, now, we do have an announcement to make, and we didn't announce it on St. Patrick's Day. As you know, we are going to New Orleans at the end of this year, and we're taking 20 lucky people with us. Not that we're paying for their trip, but we are. we've organised a trip to New Orleans, and it's, I think, 10 days, 9 nights. I can't remember what it is. But, uh, yeah, it's sold out super quick, so we thought we we better make a second offering for people. So next year, on St. Patrick's Day, we will have a group of 20 people who are going to be doing a ghostly and uh, paranormal type of... um, We're going to visit the the pagan sites and the the F sites. We can't say that word. We'll explain to you what happened shortly. The... um, the Fae sites, and uh, we'll go to hopefully some of the famous haunted locations like Lep Castle, there's Wicklow Jail. Mm-hmm. Um, Ireland is full of castles and haunted locations. Yes. So we have announced that if anyone has an expression of interest, you can email, I think it's Frightfully Good PA. Is it is that the, the oh M? Can you send us through your email, my love? <laughs> I keep forgetting what it is. Uh, we'll give you the email, but this is just to get your name on the expressions of interest list. If you would like to come to Ireland with us next year, we will be there for St Paddy's Day, and we will attend a St Paddy's Day um, celebration somewhere, not in Dublin because Dublin is just insanely expensive around that time of the year. Uh, but we will go out to one of the other locations and uh, um, toast St. Paddy. Yeah. But we're going to be toasting the pagan St. Paddy. Yes. There wasn't a a pagan St. Patrick. um, There was Bridget. There's Bridget, but there is also a a few um, whisperings about St. Patrick as well, Um. which Maria was telling me about. Oh. Oh. Some mystical, magical stuff. Okay, so we went down to, uh, just before we left Ireland, we went to a special place that uh, is like a, there's a big pond. Remember that pond? There's a pond. (gasps) Oh, yes. you put your feet in the freezing cold water. It was a beautiful, beautiful place. It was. And it was dedicated to St. Patrick. And um, yeah, we there's this one little spot where you could you can actually fill your bottle up with yeah. holy water, yeah, um, or dip your toes in, yeah, same place. And um, <laughs> I put my feet in. Yeah, you did. And you can sort of sit there, and it's it's healing. Yes, yeah, it's healing. Yes. Um, and uh, we sort of spend a little bit and of time there. It's such a Christian spot. Yeah, except it's not. It's not. <laughs> It's another one of the... The the pagans were there first. The pagans were there and they adopted it (laughs) and made it one of theirs. Yes, yes. And there was an obnoxious child there that just wouldn't shut up and there was people that would pray in the rosary at the point where you collected your water and I just wanted to throttle them. Yes, yes. They were deep into into prayer. Yeah. Yeah. I just wandered around. There will be a video coming out of that one day. Mm. (laughs) One day. Anyway. There's some more videos of our our last trip coming out shortly. Yes. uh, Look, even maybe next week, I just have to do the voiceovers for one of them Mm -hmm. and we'll get that out. But I I did find another little story that I thought I could share with you if I can find it in my book. I found when I was in New Zealand with my husband, my other travel buddy, uh, 
um, this awesome book called Magpies and Red Skies, The Enchanting Origins of 100 Superstitions, and it's by Willow Winsham. And I thought since we're on the letter T, I'd do one about teeth. 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 Mm -hmm. And this is about losing a tooth, especially that all-important first one. It's a milestone in every child's life. And I lost a tooth this week. You did. I did. Should put it under your pillow. No, there was uh, so much pus coming out of it <laughs> that I don't, left don't, it there. Don't, don't, don't. don't <laughs> At least don't. I now know why I was so sick, everyone. It's gone and I am healing. And poor Renata's not going to know what's hit her when I'm finally back on my feet. Anyway. It does leave one vital question, however. What exactly should be done with the tooth when it's no longer needed and it's already been under the pillow and the the tooth fairy people have collected it? You know who we're talking about in case there's any children listening. One popular idea was that any tooth that had fallen out or been extracted should be burned. Oh, okay. The belief was in existence in England from at least the 17th century when it was advised to either wrap the tooth or put salt around it before burning. A 19th century uh, belief suggested that if the tooth was not burned and an animal found it and ate it, then the unfortunate person would have their new tooth grow back not as a human tooth, but like the tooth of the animal that had eaten it. Sometimes a rhyme would be recited as the first tooth was burned. A popular one was, fire, fire, burn a bone. God send me another tooth again. It doesn't rhyme. A straight one, a white one, and in the same place. None of that rhymes. They suck at doing rhymes. They do. Burning teeth was also popular across Europe. Another reason for this was the belief that if a witch got hold of your tooth, then they could use it for work, um, for magical work, bad magic, and have power over you. <laughs> Burying teeth was another solution with the hope that new teeth would grow strong like plants. In Devon, England, teeth were not disposed of but were instead kept. They had to be carefully hidden, however, in case a dog or an enemy found them. So you're covering both there, Mm -hmm. which could have disastrous consequences. In some Asian countries, including China, Korea, India and Japan, there was a practice of throwing teeth either upwards onto the roof if it was a bottom tooth or down onto the floor if it was a top tooth. This was to encourage the new tooth to grow in the correct direction. In some Central Asian countries, however, baby teeth were placed in fat and actually fed to dogs. Oh, I know, right? Oh. This was the so the new tooth would come through as strong as the teeth of a dog. Isn't that gorgeous? Wow, I love that book. I um, so as so I said, I spotted on my last trip in. Did I say New Zealand? Yes. Oh, good. Um. And I, I just had to have it, but I couldn't carry it home with me, so I, I ordered it online. Mm-hmm. I ordered it online. Loin, online. <laughs> okay, we're going to some music. Oh, yes, we're going to go for a couple of songs, uh, and then we will back, be back after that. And, oh, I can't remember what my story is. What's your next story, Renata? Pontefract. Can you talk a bit longer while I get my notes? Okay, uh, I'm going to be talking about... Um, bo- you can stop now, thank you. Um, so I'm going to be talking about the oily man. And you're talking about 30 East Drive. Yes, 30 East Drive. I can't wait to hear that. So uh, quickly grab your cuppa and we will be back after this song. uh, Two songs. It's time to cross back to the other side. Welcome back to Spooky Sundays with Anne and Renata. Brought to you by Thrive Broking. 
flexible finance solutions for individuals and small business. And welcome back to the second hour of Spooky Sundays. We hope you're enjoying the evening with us. We're enjoying the evening with you, aren't we, Ian? Oh, we are. <laughs> I feel like we're having a private moment. Oh, yes, absolutely. Now, we've been having a discussion tonight about 30 East Drive Pontefract. Yes. Mm, and we've been there. We have been there. And on we've a done, tour? Yes, on a tour. And we have uh, done a podcast, one of our earlier podcasts. Yes, we uh, have. On. So please go to True Hornings Podcast and have a look at our thoughts on 30 East Drive Pontefract. And we I do, go through the history and everything. I do have Emmy's email for those who want to uh, send in their expression of interest. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you're listening to this uh, show post the Sunday night, you can send that email through at any time. So it's frightfullygoodpa at gmail.com. Easy peasy. Frightfullygoodpa at gmail.com. Because we are going to Ireland next year around St. Patrick's Day and we would love you to join us on a fully escorted 10-day possibly 12-day tour. We don't know. Mm. We've got to talk to to Maria about that, but yes. Yes, Yes, so I'm going to tell you a little bit about um, the gentleman's experiences. Now, his name is Bill Bungay, and he's a film producer, and he created a movie about the house called When the Lights Went Out. Mm. He was uh, with a director, and he... uh, Purchased the house. It was going very, very cheaply at that point in time. Because nobody wants a, a poltergeist house. Mm. And he kind of, yeah, look, he won the lottery with this place because not only did he then have full, um, you know, um, What's the word? Be, being able to be there. Access. access. That's it. Full access to this place. And you didn't have to get permission to film to. there. Yes. Because he now wanted, um, yeah, owned it. Um, he has made a um, living out of this house ever since. At £300 a night. At 300 I'm sure it's more on the weekends. Three, uh, 400 It's oh, 400 it? Yep, 400 wow. on the weekends. 300 um, during the week. Now, do, do your math, people. Do your math. Um, that is a very good investment. Mm-hmm. Now, um, he has had some of his own experiences there, so I'm going to read you a little bit about one of the experiences that he has had. Now, he says, I witnessed something indisputable with my own flipping eyes. A documentary about the house and local community was being made, and I took the opportunity to visit the production crew on their last day of filming. Being professionals, they were fairly... They were fairly understated about any events that may have happened while they had filmed at the property. The kettle switching on and superheating of its own volition. The case of the constantly missing thermostat, the remote kind that you sit on the mantelpiece. The researcher being pinned down onto the bed in the small room. Might have been night terror. That's your room. And my personal favourite, possible evidence of the poltergeist's continuing fascination with keys. Back in the Pritchard's day, now the Pritchard's were the family that started all of this. This is when everything seemed to happen. Or suffered through it. Mm-hmm. A bunch of keys consisting of all the keys of the house fell from the chimney when Jean was brushing the flue, including a peculiar key said to be a large medieval door key. So it was intriguing to me that a bunch of keys belonging to one of the producers had gone missing. The crew hunted high and low and had all all but given up finding them when someone had the idea to look inside the old vacuum cleaner I had purchased from a charity shop to dress the house. To my knowledge, it doesn't work. 
and even if it did, it would never have the power to suck up a heavy bunch of keys. Plus, I suspect you'd notice if you did. Anyway, the crew hit the road at about 2am, leaving me alone with two colleagues to tidy up. I went out into the garden to clear any litter. Now, what's interesting is that when you are in an environment like that, a place with a paranormal reputation, you find yourself being extra vigilant. And by now, my spider senses were more than tingling. You think about every move you make. (coughs) I am picking up this piece of litter. I am walking it to the wheelie bin. I am lifting the bin up and so on. So I remember clearly that it was a very cold and calm night. The streets were completely clear and I was definitely alone outside. I looked at the double gates and naturally wanted to secure them before my departure. One side of the wrought iron double gate was open, so I closed it, dropped the plunger into the hole and pushed using a bit of effort, a concrete block against the gate securing it firmly. Nothing less than a determined individual was going to open that gate and before you say it, there's no slope, no spring on the gate and no bush to hide a prankster in. Nothing. No bush? No sacred bush. No. I turned back towards the house and decided it was time to get my colleagues out of the house for us to hit the road. They came racing out of the kitchen, the only door I had the key for and therefore the only door to open, and were understandably very relieved to finally get out. I'd lock the door and we'd be done, except the keys had gone. No sign of them. But that wasn't half of it. I glanced over at the back gate one last time and to my horror, the side I had closed two minutes earlier, plunger and all, was open again. That's those people trying to sneak in for a freebie, I reckon. Mm, And I mean completely open, 90 degrees, the concrete block simply pushed aside. My first response, everyone does it, was to accuse my two colleagues of playing tricks on me, but I knew they had been upstairs installing a lampshade in the dark the whole time. I definitely closed the gate and there was absolutely no one out at all. The hairs on the back of my neck took about an hour to settle back down. (laughs) You could comb that with a rake. It wasn't until the following day when the locksmith was replacing the lock that Carol, my psychic neighbour, Mm. We have to listen to the podcast about Carol, the psychic Mm. (laughs) neighbour. Not going to say any more. Casually explained to me that it happened all the time. Oh, it has. It or Fred, as by now I too had started to call him out for some form of respect in the vain hope that he would spare me, moved around the neighbourhood. This confirmed by other neighbours that have subsequently complained to me personally about the entity running past their windows after hours, as if I could stop somehow uh, Fred from freaking out the locals. Oh, that's just Carol going for a jog in a black tracksuit. (laughs) Fred! (laughs) She likes to exercise in the early hours of the morning. (laughs) Oh, I haven't set Renata off in ages. That's made me so happy. Oh, dear, be careful what you say. She just likes to exercise. (laughs) Friends have since had the courage to stay overnight. Smart, grounded, healthy, sceptical friends. The list of things that occurred to them boggled the mind. Oh, boggled. (laughs) 
subtle stuff, but nevertheless real. Other visitors described columns of ice-cold air in the corridor, every radiator in the house being turned up full, reported by a friend that installs radiators. He had to turn them all down himself and was bemused by what had turned them all full on in the morning and the cupboard under the stairs being impossible to open. And look, it was probably just a neighbour trying to make sure the rooms were nice and warm for them when they came in. I'm sure that's all it was. Trust me. They don't uh, have I know keys. Na- I know that neighbour's name they, as well. They don't have um, it's Carol. Key. Yeah. They don't have keys for it, do they? Oh, wait, yes, they do. Yes, they do. Um, other visitors describe. Yes, I read that bit. Uh, <laughs> only one group of friends seemingly had nothing happen to them, uh, but I had observed how calm the house felt when they went for their visit. Plus, they did reach for the beers, and it is recognised that stimulants are not advised if you want to experience something paranormal. I thought it was actually completely the opposite. <laughs> Don't ask me why, but a lot of the stuff can be quite subtle, and a few bevies have been known to take the edge off things. That said when we walked in Darren from when we walked in Darren from next door was trying to put a hundred piece puzzle together Uh, they had uh, been spread all over the carpet back into their box except the box was thoroughly taped up as it had been since I bought it from the charity shop he broke the side of the box in my presence to return the pieces so the the puzzle pieces had apported outside of the Uh, box yes 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 so now what Well, given no one wants to buy my house, which is fair enough, I suppose, yet many people have expressed an interest in visiting, so why not offer it up to visitors? Not as your run-of-the-mill guest house, house, but something out of this world, literally. Mm, The penny has dropped. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. I pay the council tax on the goddamn place, and I promise you I have never stayed there, nor do I intend to stay there. I know lightweight, I hear you say, but I have now firmly left the school of sceptic. There is definitely something deeply profound and intimidating, though I am of the view there is a scientific explanation. But that's another story. Oh, that's another story for another time. So frankly, I think you'd be nuts to make a booking. But here's the booking key. <laughs> Go ahead and do it. Um, Pat- and is this how we found out how much it was to hire it tonight? Yes. Yes, it's the same. Yeah, same, oh, wow. same place. Same place. Yep. Uh, same web page. This is the £300 a night. Yes, yes. Um, and look, I'm going, to, I'm going to get back to this because there are more things here. Um, that he talks about, but let's go to a song first, oh, okay. shall we? <gasps> All right, then. Oh, okay. We're left with anticipation. You're listening to Spooky Sundays on Newcastle Live. Finance doesn't need to be spooky thanks to Thrive Broking. And welcome back and thank you to Thrive Broking. So if you're looking for finance without all of the scary bits, drop the delightful Emma a line at thrivebroking.com.au and tell her that the ghost grannies Anne and Renata sent you. That sounded like a furball. (laughs) I I just do have to say something because I've been called out. I've caused an issue. You said the F word, didn't you? I did. Uh, Shane pulled me up and said, uh, Anne, said the F word when I mentioned the tooth F word. See, Um, people are listening. But I'm just going to, just before you go on with your story, explain to people what happened to us yesterday. You ingest, ingest, not ingest, but ingest, as in funny ha-ha, said the F word. I did. And what happened? Yeah, we had a flat tyre. Thank you very much. Keep going. (laughs) 
in 35 degree heat in the middle of nowhere on the countryside with no signal uh, until Renata found the magic spot to stand in and um, we tried to do it ourselves but it uh, just I, wasn't happening. We I, got rescued. I, I have the power. That's you all have I the can power. say. Yeah. <laughs> Keep going. Listen right. to a diary if it goes under. You'll hear about it. Okay, so we are going back now to 30 Pontefract House. Well, we're not going back. 30 we East are. Drive. 30 East Drive. What did I say? 30 Pontefract oh, something. 30 East Drive, Pontefract. Um, yes, and uh, this is all on the page that you can get to um, uh, that advertises 30 East Drive. Mm-hmm. And, and they it, have daily happenings there, they, what's happened recently yes, at the Pontefract yes. House. And um, they also have the prices listed. Yes. Right. Carol, so. Carol's been busy. <laughs> No, she does. She cleans the house and she looks after it. She's there's but so it's, many teams it's, coming through there all the time. Oh, she yes. is super busy. Yes. <laughs> Can I read? You go for it, Renata. Oh, I think we've just lost her. <laughs> oh dear. The wheeze now, is on, back. On Sunday, February the fourteenth, two thousand sixteen. Yes, a, a little bit of time ago, I went on, and this is the same guy. This is the guy that owns a place yeah, that's been complaining that he can't sell it. So he came upon a really great idea and went, "I can't sell the place. Uh, no one wants to buy it, so I'll hire it out for three hundred pounds a night." <laughs> right. Mm, just a little bit steep, but never mind. Um, I went on one of my occasional visits to the house, uh, was alone washing some items in the kitchen sink when I felt the instinct to turn. I looked over my right shoulder only to see a small object materialise above the dining room table (laughs) for being projected ballistically at my head. I could have sworn that it was going to hit me between the eyes and would have hurt had it done so, but it missed me by a whisker and ricocheted off the kitchen window. I looked down to see a small wooden domino, now in my possession, sat on the kitchen floor. After a few regrettable expletives, I felt the need to thank it for demonstrating for me its ability to teleport, the first truly indisputable paranormal act I had witnessed. From then on, I was bombarded by small objects objects, all of which missed me by a whisker. A marble was projected through the ceiling with such force it took the varnish off the piano board. It missed my right ear by the smallest of marches. <laughs> Hold it together, you're professional. I've got something to report here. You wait. <laughs> Two screws were thrown. Oh, no. Again through the ceiling, either side of my head, missing my ears by millimetres. I later discovered that a few of the screws <laughs> had been, I had collected earlier had disappeared from the fruit bowl. A red plastic ball materialised before my eyes and was thrown directly at my head again. I was talking to Carol, the neighbour at the time. <laughs> The ball materialised behind her over her right shoulder, only to seemingly deviate at the last millisecond to miss me by a smidgen. Oh, you know what happens with that. My hat uh, was removed off the handle of my case and thrown onto the sofa. The room was definitely empty at the time. And finally... Carol, her whole group and I were all sat in the front room together having a cuppa and laughing about the incidents when we all heard a pop and the sound of something light, probably plastic, fall onto the floor. Carol went to see what the noise was, only to discover her granddaughter, who had just entered the front room, biting into a polystyrene orange. Don't bite that, sweetheart, I heard Carol say. It's not a real orange. Where did you get that from, anyhow? Loud enough for everyone to hear. Yep. A man in black gave it to me, came her simple, concise reply. 
it had lifted the faux fruit out of the fruit bowl and given it to the little child and had chosen not to hide its identity to the child. All that in an incredible afternoon. Yes, it was during daylight. What was targeting me? Or indeed, why it chose to target me specifically is a matter of conjecture. But one thing's for sure, if it wanted to hurt me, it had both the power and potential to do so. I just want to say one more thing before we go to the next song. He actually says that theoretical physicists can visit for free. I like that. Mm. I really like that. Look, I've just got onto the website for um, 30eastdrive.com and they've got 288 recent happenings. And I thought I'd just read out the, the, the top three for oh, you. Oh, yes, please. Um, number one, TV blaring, house was empty, empty and the witness was Carol. Um, number two, bed in Diane's old room was trashed at 4am and the witness was Carol's son. Uh, <coughs> number, <laughs> number three... <laughs> figure of a man made from the duvet placed on the neighbour's son bed which was witnessed by Carol and her son (laughs) (laughs) that was the first three (laughs) look this lady is just she's amazing she is she's there every single time something happens she's a champion for that house is all I can say Oh, my gosh. And Thank look, you, Carol, if, for looking after that If house. you want something to happen, you do have to go and speak to Carol beforehand and she'll call in the spirits for you. It doesn't cost much, but she will call in it's the 10 spirits. Pounds, 10 pounds, I believe. Well, she does the psychic cleansing for you beforehand yes. from our um, yes. Yes. recordings that we did earlier. And, um, yeah, apparently if, if you approach Carol with this and you get this done, the, the tappings on the wall between the two houses is, is insane during the night. Oh. So there you it's go. amazing. It is. I don't know why she hasn't moved. It would be so no, disturbing to be would. there for so long. Poor Carol. Oh, no. <laughs> Can we get a t-shirt made up with that? We're going to get in trouble, aren't we? We're going to a Play song. a song. <laughs> You're listening to Spooky Sundays on Newcastle Live. Finance doesn't need to be spooky thanks to Thrive Broking. Welcome back, everyone. And uh, Anne, you have a story. But I do have a story. We've, we've got a little bit of a, um, a yeah, bonus for our a listeners. Bonus. Yes, yes, we do. Um, there are magazines out there for the paranormal, and one of them is called Paranormalities, and they have offered a discount for our listeners. Uh, so, if you would like to subscribe to Paranormalities, the code is frightfully good, and uh, I think it was twenty percent off. Mm. I'm just trying to remember off the top I'm pretty sure it was 20% off um, so yep yeah, you get some money off and I think they might throw us a dollar or two to help us as well so um, guys get out there and check out the magazine and see if that is something that you would enjoy yourselves um, now we have a message here from Daniela saying I never forget watching Anne upstairs at Pontefract there was absolutely something circling her as she was there but then you watch most haunted episode and you think mm, really Uh, We have Catherine who has come through with a message saying, if we do go to the Pontefract house, we must both wear black tracksuits with the name Carol on (laughs) (laughs) it. Sorry about your eardrops there. (laughs) Um, And Robert said, you should find out if Carol grows limes, then she could sell sweet Carol limes. Oh, you dreadful. Oh, that's terrible. Dreadful. Oh, we love people <coughs> messaging in during the show. It's we do. Fabulous. We do. 
And uh, Yindia Mara, no, we haven't. We've actually been away since Friday, so we haven't actually had a chance to read the book. It is on my list of things to do this week. Now, we are going on to a story that's a little bit... Um, I'm going to put a warning it's there for XXX, people. Yes, X-rated, uh, Well, X-rated. it's not necessarily X-rated, but it may be a trigger warning because we are talking about sexual things mm. um, and virgins. Um, what can go wrong with Anne reading a story right. about I the oily no man? Oh, sit down, people. Sit down. <sighs> Strap yourselves in. Oh. <laughs> Here we go. Okay. Now, there's been many stories of entities from around the world and strange stories, um, and sometimes you don't know whether it's real or whether it's just urban legend or law, uh, but... There is one that we are going to be talking about tonight from Malaysia. And these people feel that this is a real phenomena that is happening in their lives and is having real effects on them. Mm -hmm. So it is a malevolent, sinister thing that has inspired fear in the local populace for quite some time. So it comes from Malaysian folklore, and the creature is known as an orang minyak, Mm -hmm. and that translates to oily man. Mm. And it's sort of like something out of a nightmare. So the entity appears as a muscular man. (gasps) Don't get excited. Just read the story. Just read the story. It's always a man. And they're naked or wearing underwear. Okay. That's a very nice oily man to wear their underwear. At the moment, I don't see anything paranormal here. No, they're wearing their bonds, (laughs) Y-fronts, with yellow, gold, red or black eyes, skin covered with thick black oil that doesn't drip and which is secreted from the skin itself rather than applied. So they're a sweaty, oily man that's naked in knickers. Right. Right. The the oil not only allows the creature to disappear into the night and hide, but it also means they can't be captured because anyone tries to grab hold of them, they slip through their fingers. Mm, I see. Mm, the Orang Minyak was supposed to have all sorts of amazing supernatural powers, such as the ability to hypnotize people, mm-hmm. physically paralyze them, turn invisible, teleport, and mute voices so they can't call out. Oh. They're supposed to be able to crawl up walls like insects and are endowed with superhuman strength and speed. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. They're well endowed. Mm-hmm. They are. Uh, these are, of course, all very useful powers for a creature to have. But what they do is they like to roam the countryside and the villages looking for young virgins to rape. Oh, that's awful. It is. Uh, apparently, they, it's a need. They have to do this. They can't help themselves. That they are powerless to resist the urge to do so. So... They're sort of almost like an incubus. Mm, yes. A sexual vampire. Yes, yes. But they like virgins and mm. they're oiled up. Mm. Mm. Not at all suspicious. These entities are supposed to be supernatural and they're supposed to have been conjured up by powerful shamans or witch doctors in order to carry out naughty, naughty errands for their masters. Although some traditions say that they are men who became twisted through sexual depravity. 
and they've now turned into demons. Uh huh. Of course. Or those who have struck a deal with dark forces to win back the affection of a lost love. You can buy those spells on Etsy. Mm. Very reasonable price. Although, uh, although, although, I did see one advertised for $450. Oh, no, we're doing it wrong, aren't we? We are doing it so wrong. Yep. And oh, I'd sell one for $300. They'll sell you I'll a, do a discount. <laughs> for 50 cents. I've lost my place now. Sorry. <laughs> We're talking money. <laughs> yeah. You, you just waved the dollar note in front of me. I went, huh? Ah. Um, all right. Uh, no matter what. So, oh, that's right. I was up to the, the dark forces to attract a lost love. Yes. Other versions say that they are sources who, so, sources, <laughs> flying sources, uh, sorcerers yes. who have gone to the dark side. They've intentionally used black magic to turn into one of the beasts. Oh, dear. No matter what the true story of this, though, their lust and thirst for sexual gratification grows. They graduate from virgins. Pretty soon, they'll take anything. Oh, that's Even graduating us. up, isn't yeah. it? No one is safe from their depraved hunt. Mm-hmm. Now, once an orang minyak is on the loose, there are several ways that you can deal with it. One is for the virgins. Now, you're going to like this, Renata. For all the virgins out there, is okay. some tips for you. Wear sweaty clothes to give the illusion that they've just had sex. Uh, then they won't be virgins. No, but it's the smell of, obviously, you've been sweating. So that, that makes them think that, you know, you've just been with a man, obviously. Or to leave a pile of unwashed male clothing close to the bed to act as a barrier. Oh. That's a safety thing. Well, most of us old older people are safe then. Yeah. Well, I, I think you and I are pretty safe. <laughs> um, there are also various charms and amulets to ward the entities off. One popular way is to cover one's left thumb with a magically blessed cloth called a batik. Mm-hmm. I had some batik when I was younger in the <laughs> 70s. <laughs> Um, Some people simply boarded up their doors and windows, burn incense, bless the house of the prayer, or all of the above. Now, a Malay spirit medium that the locals know as a bomo, Mm -hmm. I think I've got that right, bomo, can uh, also be called in to carry out some rituals Mm -hmm. or an exorcism to get rid of this. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, these things can be quite elaborate. Um, And, of course, with elaborate affairs becomes... Expensive affairs, of course. Um, but they may not work, especially if the bomber is not powerful enough. Now, they do have a story here of an uh, Orang Minyak exorcism. This was provided by A. Jesse Michael, a retired associate professor of English from Malaysia, who writes about it in the Borderless Journal. Can we can we wait oh. until we come back from a song? We can, but I've got still got a bit to go. Okay. So quickly crack out the song, okay. and I'm going right, to come right, back right. with a real case of getting rid of an Orang Minyak. Okay, here we go. You're listening to Spooky Sundays on Newcastle Live. Finance doesn't need to be spooky thanks to Thrive Broking. Okay, we're back and we need to 
crack on with the rest of your story. We've got a correction. The name of the magazine is Paranormality. Yes. Not with an I-E-S. It's a Y. Paranormality magazine. You will um, find it um, by scrolling through and just putting Paranormality magazine. You can add it to your cart. It's about $12, Australian. Australian? Oh, that's all right. $12, 13 Australian. They look like, um, they're fascinating. Yeah, I've got some of the magazines at home. They're good. All right, let me get on with the real life story of the oily man. So we're we're about the the stage now that the bomber, the the medium, is coming in. So they arrived across the state border with the paraphernalia of keris, which is a dagger, frankincense, pot, roots, oils, and herbs. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The village women sourced flowers and limes. Robert, are you psychic? Talking about limes to make large pots of infusions. The main ceremony began at the village hall where the bomber lit a small bonfire in a pot uh, fueled with herbal leaves and roots. He held a silver keris hanging on a chain over the flames and declared that the swinging of the keris indicated the presence of an evil spirit lurking in the village. Someone had sent this entity from an uh, from the netherworld, uh, not the nether regions, but the netherworld, and it was unlikely to leave until it had claimed its prey of seven virgins. Oh my gosh! To satiate its lust, if the exorcism was not performed, which will cost you oh. anyway. The bomber threw incense into the flames, and a great cloud of smoke enveloped him and most of the room, while the smoke billowed and the attendees choked on the pungent odor of the incense. He muttered incantations and occasionally gave an almighty shout, commanding the evil spirit to leave the village. The exorcism in the hall lasted an hour, ending with the medicine man sprinkling water infused with flowers and cut lime into which he had blown and spat vehemently. I'll make a nice tequila twister at the end there. Um, No corner of the hall was spared. A similar but shorter smoky ceremony was enacted at every house after which the occupants were instructed to bathe in the flour and lime infusion that he had spat in, I'd say, which they had prepared and into which the bomber had blown spells. (laughs) I hope it was just spells. Unmarried girls and women were given amulets to wear around their necks to ward off the harm. The following day, all the public buildings were exercised. The school, the clinic, the police station, and as extra precaution, the little mosque too. The villagers gathered at every building. The older ones, nostalgic for the practice of their forefathers and fearful of missing out on something. The younger ones, fascinated by these rituals they never knew existed in their culture. And it was quite a spectacular performance at each stop. When it was all over, the bomber was gratefully sent off with his tools and a stash of cash. The villagers finally breathed in relief. The exorcism gave the village two weeks of peace. Oh, only two weeks. Then the bold, daring, greasy phenomena struck again in the dark. No. Although this sounds as if it must all be surely, uh, surely be nothing more than spooky myths and superstitions, the people in these afflicted areas truly believe that these creatures are real. That's true. And they will deal with them accordingly. And there are regular reports in the Malaysian news about these creatures. Um, there is another report in Kampung Lakasamana, um, and they had apparently two orang minyaks in 2012. One witness said one is tall and stocky and 
bald while the other is thin with curly hair. I saw the bald Orang Minyak hiding behind the water tank of a house. At about two in the morning, it was breathing really loudly like a cow. It was black and shiny. When I shone my light on it, the thing stuck out its head to look back at me. It was crawling up the stairs of the house just like Spider-Man. When it reached the top, it suddenly jumped onto the roof. I don't think a human could do that. It just disappeared then. The hair on my hands just stood up. We can laugh and joke about it, but this is serious. All the families here have young girls. Other reports are even more frightening, with women describing being attacked by beasts. I do have a little bit more of a story there. Do we have time? Yep, we do. Okay, this is another report from the Borderless Journal. That night, Muna felt a slimy hand smelling of car engine oil trying to smother her. Okay. I'm just saying that doesn't sound like a ghost. She could not scream, but her hand clutching the knife obeyed her father's instructions. She swung the knife hard against the thing's back and it yelped. Her scream had her father out swinging the pounding stick, but he hit only air. The thing was gone. He rushed out and could not spot anything. The moon was shining full and looking up, he saw silhouetted against the silver orb a black dog flying. Allahu Akbar, he muttered repeatedly. The neighbours were alerted and they came in with lanterns. They could only see the gap on the floor of the raised house where the orang maniac had removed a plank and traces of blood on the knife, nothing else. With terror fueled by accounts of such of these stories, mass panic often spread through the region to the point villagers often take matters into their own hands, believing that police are not doing enough to protect them. It's not uncommon for bloodthirsty mobs of armed people to take to the streets looking for the Orang Minyak, which sometimes ends violently when there is a case of mistaken identity, with people having been killed after being taken for one of the supernatural prowlers. I wonder if they were wandering the streets covered in black mechanic oil. Wow. Mm. Um Yeah, so we are left to wonder if this is just some kind of mass hysteria propelled by superstition, law and imagination, or perhaps there is something more to it. Who really knows? But if the people of this country believe that's what it is, you're not going to convince them of anything else. And I'm pretty sure that somebody who had evil thoughts and intentions could use this law to cover themselves up and do whatever they like under the guise of an orang minyak. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Yes. Mm. Yes. I wonder what you guys are thinking about that. But um, the smelling of engine oil is um, a bit of a giveaway, an absolute giveaway. So, yep, we need to finish up for tonight. We're going to play our last song in a minute. Thank you, Lisa, for your song, Song collections, yes. Yes, it was beautiful. Everyone loved them, so thank you very, very much. I know you were a little bit worried whether people would like them, but uh, yes, we've got some, some really, very chill ones yeah, in there. Great, um, great feedback coming yeah. through on the um, on the song, so thank you so much. Uh, we have a busy week ahead, as we normally do, um, but we will be back in studio next Sunday um, with some more Spooky Sundays. Remember, go to Paranormality. Uh, no, Paranormality. No, paranormality. Pa- paranormality Magazine. And 
into the, the code Frightfully Good yep. where it says discount code and you guys win by getting 20% off and it helps us a little bit as well. Absolutely. Now, uh, we've got a few things coming out for you this week. We'll hopefully have our UK episode one will be coming out. We will have another Seriously Weird coming out all on YouTube. Mm-hmm. We are trying to load up our YouTube channel with stuff. So make sure you've gone over there and subscribed and hit the bell. Anne and Renata, frightfully good ghost grannies. Can't miss it. Yeah, and please, um, if you would like to become a Patreon, um, please uh, check out Anne and Renata on Patreon and become a Patreon where you get a little bit of the uh, secrets and everything that goes on behind the scenes. But until then, we are wishing you have a wonderful week, everyone, and we will be back next Sunday. Be frightfully good. And see you on the dark side. Bye, everyone. Bye. Most mysteries can be solved by looking at the facts. But sometimes the facts don't give us the answer. So it's time to call in Anne and Renata. Spooky Sundays, when the truth lies beyond a logical answer. Dive deep into the world of the unknown with real ghost stories and the unexplainable. Sometimes unconventional, but always entertaining. It's Spooky Sundays with Anne and Renata. Sunday from 8pm only on Newcastle Live. Brought to you by Thrive Broking. Flexible finance solutions for individuals and small business.